We've been in a message series called Lost and Found, and during this Lost and Found series, we've baptized 27 people. We've had somewhere around 40 people come to Jesus. That is amazing. We believe that there would be good things happen, but we have seen good things happen with our very eyes, and we're hearing the testimony of people and the uh, stories of people that are coming to faith in Jesus. So I thank God for what he is choosing to do through the whole ministry of BWC and what he's doing in our lives individually and what he can do. You know, our neighbors are filled with people that need hope, need forgiveness, need love. Really, the answer is Jesus. We need Jesus. And every one of us, no matter who we are or where we live, we need Jesus in our heart and in our life. Our story today in Acts chapter 10 shows us another story like that as we wrap up this series, Lost and Found. We see a fellow living in his neighborhood. He is minding his business. He has a lot of friends. He has a lot of relatives. He has a great job. He's doing his best. He does fear God, but he knows there's got to be more than what he's understood or experiencing. He's a devout man. He's a God-fearing man. He's very kind, the Bible says, to the poor. He's been motivated through generosity to those that are unfortunate. And then he has a dream that he needs to invite a guy named Peter from over in Joppa, when we were over there, they called it Jaffa, F's instead of P's. But anyway, they need to be able to go over and get Peter and bring him. Now, they're not really acquainted because there is a problem. There is a real problem. Peter is a Jew, and Cornelius leads an Italian army elite group of soldiers. He is not a Jew. Peter has a bias about the gospel. Do you have a bias of some kind? Maybe you like Diet Coke instead of Diet Pepsi, or maybe you're smart and don't drink either of those, and you like uh, something else instead, some juice or whatever it is, but you have a prejudice toward whatever it is you like, right? You want that. You like to wear a certain kind of shoe that you wear. You like to wear a certain kind of jean that you have. You like to drive a certain kind of car that you have. Sometimes our, our bias will push us toward something or it'll push us away from something. And Peter had this problem. He's like, God, I could never go over and minister to those people. Do you have some those people in your vocabulary, in your life? Some those people, fill in the blank, whatever they've done, wherever they live, whoever they are. And you think you can't minister to them. That's the gap that we see today. And what God wants to do is to help Peter bridge the cultures and begin to take the message, not just to the Jews that Jesus Christ came to earth as God's son, died for us, and rose from the dead, lives for us, offers hope, forgiveness, uh, eternal life to everybody who will call on him. But what he is saying to us is, this message goes beyond just our culture. And here's one of the most beautiful passages where the message of the gospel goes beyond just one little people group. You see, the gospel is not just Western world American. It is a global gospel. And when we get to heaven, we're going to see people of all races, of all kinds of backgrounds, who have heard the gospel message, perhaps in a different voice and language than you ever heard it, yet they still have found the hope of Jesus Christ. So I want to journey through here as the Lord speaks to Peter and shows him, 
it's okay, and I want you, and I'm authorizing you to go minister to the people that seem just a little different than you. Notice, first of all, Peter had a vision, he had a trance about bridging the cultures of the gospel. It starts in verse 9, continues on. Peter's had a great ministry to the Jewish culture. As a matter of fact, he has reached out and he has, he has preached a great message, and 3,000 people got saved at one time. That's powerful. 3,000 people, what are you talking about? That's more than we'll have on a Sunday, right? And then he went to another place and he preached in Acts chapter 3. He preaches there and 5,000 people come to faith in Jesus Christ. On another day, he is praying with this guy near the temple and he prays over him in Acts chapter 3 and the guy gets healed. I mean, this is amazing stuff that's going on. And Peter is having great success among the Jewish culture. But now the vision expands him to where he is to take the message somewhere else. Look at verse 28 of our passage in Acts 10. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for the Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. Look what he says. But God has shown me that I should not call on anyone as common or unclean. Look at verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth I perceive that God shows no partiality. Say no partiality. No partiality. <laughs> he showed no partiality, but in every nation, say every nation. Every, every nation. nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Can I get a witness in the house? Yes. This is absolutely wonderful because people need the gospel. But listen, many, many people are invisible to us because we have put up boundaries and biases against them. And this is not healthy. And Jesus wants to address that kind of stuff. He wants us to be able to come into this business of the gospel and know, yes, it's for the Jew, but it's also for us. We were considered the outcast. You were considered the outcast. I was considered the outcast. But Jesus has opened the veil and opened it up and is allowing everybody to receive the good news of the gospel. That's incredible because it includes you and it includes me. You can hardly believe it. A number of years ago in Los Angeles County, there was a fellow doing his assignment, doing his job. He was a police officer, and he gave parking tickets. That was his assignment. And so as he's giving these, giving these tickets, he goes by a place, and he sees a car parked in a no-parking zone because the street sweepers, street cleaners, were supposed to come by in just a little while. And so while he's doing his duty, he pulls over, seeing a car there, and he walks up, the window's open, he writes out a ticket, it's a $30 fine, he reaches in, just lays it right on the dash, because the window was open, goes right back to his car, gets in, pulls off, doesn't think any more about it, <clears throat> didn't think anything about it, just blindly going through his job. There was no argument, there was a guy sitting there, he gave no argument, he gave no fuss, he gave no pushback, nothing like that. You know why? Twelve hours before he'd been shot in the head, he was dead. And the guy didn't even recognize that the guy was sitting there dead. He just going about his business. True story, look it up. I did. Absolutely mind-numbing. And you and I can go by people and say, well, they're not my responsibility. I have nothing to do with that. They're not mine. Does Jesus do that? No, I don't think he does. And then notice that Peter understood why he was bridging the cultures with the gospel. 
Starts in verse 19 and following here. We're covering a lot of ground, of course. But the Holy Spirit gave him guidance concerning these people that were sent from Cornelius' house. He hasn't met them. He doesn't know them. There's no connection. But in verse 19, the Scripture says three of the people are sent from Cornelius' house to go to Jaffa, to Peter's house. I've been there. I know where that is. And you're supposed to go to his house, and there you're supposed to ask for a guy named Peter, and ask him to come. He can teach us the rest of the gospel that we don't know. And so verse 20, look what the vision says to Peter. Go with them, doubting nothing. And Peter began to learn a little bit about Cornelius. They began to tell him, verse 22, look at it. He's a centurion. He's a just man, a man who fears God. He has a good reputation among all the nations of the Jews. He has been divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear the words from you. You have an assignment, Peter. We want you to come. And Cornelius wasn't just sitting there in some room tapping his desk. He's not just sipping his tea on his roof. He's not watching the ball game. He has rounded up his relatives, the Bible says, and his friends. And he says, I want you to come around and I want you to hear what this guy's going to say. He should be here pretty soon. I don't know him really, but I know he's got something to tell us because that vision was so strong. And then in verse 24, Cornelius is receptive to Peter. When Peter would come to his house, he opens the door to him. They're crossing cultures. Have you ever crossed cultures to anybody at your home, at a restaurant, in your life, have you ever respected them? He respected him. Verse 26, Peter says, well, I had this vision. I was supposed to come here. And then all of a sudden, knocking at the door, there are your guys. So that's why I'm here, and this is what God has done. And he starts telling him about the good news of Jesus, that he has come for anyone who will call on his name. Have you called on his name? That's what he's talking about. And Cornelius explains the work that God has done to prepare him to this moment. But he says to Peter, there must be more. There has to be more. You see, when God moves for us to go witness somewhere, he moves on the heart and the life of somebody to receive that which is about to be said. When we went over into Lehighton to begin our campus, we didn't know where we were going to land. We were kind of like Abraham. They said, hey, BWC, where are you going to go? We're going to Lehighton. Yeah, but where are you going to have church? Well, to junior high. But where are you really going to have church? Well, eventually we didn't know. It was going to be Franklin Elementary School. And on a day sitting in my office, minding my own business, whenever there was a knock at the door and said, hey, there's a church over in Palmerton. You want to go see it? I said, well, let's don't turn anything down until we look at it. <laughs> I don't know. What are you talking about? Well, you know that church with a big cross? Yeah, I've heard of that one. I've seen that one. I mean, anybody drives through Palmerton and Mayberry, they know that cross, that church. So we went over there. And you go over and you begin to see what God is doing. He prepares hearers. And when Peter went over to the house, Cornelius was ready, and his family and friends were all sitting there saying, okay, what do you have to say? What are you going to say? Steve Shogren, pastor of the church, out in Ohio, and then ministered down in Florida. 
And he said this story about a guy whose name was Joe Delaney. Joe had a little guy, a little kid, 10-year-old son named Jared, and they were in the backyard playing catch, pitching the ball back and forth. And Joe, 10 years old, said to his dad, Dad, is there a God? And his dad, Joe, says, well, I don't know if there's a God. I went to church a couple times, but I don't even know if, there, I don't even know if there's a God. So Joe, the 10-year-old, said, just a minute. Oh, the dad's like, oh, boy, here we go. Joe runs back into the house. He gets a helium balloon. He gets an index card and a pen. He comes back outside, and he says, Dad, I'm going to find out if there's a God. I'm going to send this balloon to him. So on the card, he starts writing there, and he says, Dear God, if you're real and you're there, send people you know to Dad and me. Ties that on and releases that balloon. Let's it go. The dad, not really a Christian man, sends up a prayer and says, God, please let something happen. It was about three days later, and Joe and Jared were driving, and they saw a car wash, and they stopped people washing cars and <clears throat> said, hey, we like our car wash too, and so you know how we have car washes this time of year, and so they pull in to get their car washed, and there's some guys washing their car, and they're wiping it down, and they're drying it off and make it sparkle like you do. And when they're finished, Steve happened to be washing on this car, and they said, okay, what do we owe you? He says, nothing. He says, nothing. He says, no strings attached. We just want you to know God loves you. <laughs> just want you to know God loves you. He said, wait a minute, are you some of those Christian people? Steve said, yeah, we are. And he led Joe and Jared to Christ. God, if you're real, would you send somebody? You know, we're scared to witness to somebody. We're scared to share the gospel with somebody. But you know what? God has probably already prepared them. He's already put a hunger in their heart of some kind. And it's up to you and me to believe that we could be the answer to show them what is going on. And Peter, it's not arrogance, he, he saw that he was the answer. And so he went over and he gave him his time. He gave his self. He gave everything he had to make the difference. And then notice this. Peter experienced great impact bridging the cultures with the gospel. Starts at verse 34. Peter presents the gospel of Jesus Christ that Cornelius had not yet heard. He shares with him all of the salvation through Jesus Christ, through his death, through his resurrection. He shares this message with him. Last night I came in here and I prayed over this campus. I walked up and down these aisles praying for whoever would sit here today in these services and said, Lord, double it, triple it out into the other campuses. Walking around our sound tech, Lord, do it here, do it there. Lord, take care of the foyer, take care of the blessings of the lobby, take care of the cafe. Let your spirit reign over every conversation and every fellowship that happens in this place. Lord, be here. You know, Kevin Meyer said it this way. He's pastor of Largest Wesleyan Church. He said this, he said, I talk to God about people, and then I talk to people about God. And I sense God with me, helping me as I prayed. And I sense God here helping you right now as we're listening. Notice that Cornelius and his friends opened their heart. You know, Max Lucado in one of his writings said this, if it takes a thousand steps to get to God, God will make 999 of those steps, but he leaves the last one to you and to me for us to make that last step. 
That last step is up to you and me, and that is our will. That is our will. It's our final step. Have you made that step yet? God has gone out of his way, brought a church into our community, brought people that cared about us to sit around us, allowed us to even have the technology to do what we're doing today. And he has moved on us. And Cornelius, he listens to the message, and he opens his heart up to God. And the gospel message is bridging into other cultures, and it's a very beautiful thing. It is a fulfillment of the scripture in John chapter 3, in verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world. No, but that all the world through him might be saved. Have you opened your heart to Jesus? Have you given him yourself? Have you given him all of yourself? Not just your sins, not just your fears, but Lord, here's my life. Last night I rededicated myself completely to God. I said, Lord, whatever years I have left on the earth, I have no idea how many. How many days, how many years, whatever. I said, God, I give it all to you. Have you surrendered your life to him? I'm going to go see him in a little bit, and I'll tell you what, I only want to do what matters to him. And that's what I want to encourage you to do. I read about a guy who um, ran a little experiment one time. He had a piece of chocolate. How many of you like chocolate? Lift your hand if you're not ashamed to admit. How many of you like light chocolate? How many of you like dark chocolate? How many of you just like chocolate? <laughs> we got a lot of chocolate lovers in the house. This is great. So we like this chocolate, right, Stella? We like chocolate. I mean, there's even white chocolate, I guess. I don't know. You can have all kinds of chocolate. It's pretty cool. So chocolate's a pretty good thing, a pretty good friend of most of us. You can tell most of us like it a little more than we should. But with that, he took that piece of chocolate, and he put it in a particular area where he knew some ants were. He pulls one away from the area where they had been running around, and right over here, that ant took one bite. He didn't stay there and eat that whole piece of chocolate. One bite. Everybody say one bite took one bite. You know what it did? Went right back to the colony and said, hey guys, come on out here and see what I found. And came back in a little bit with the rest of the troops walking right behind it, heading toward the chocolate where they devoured it together. That's the gospel. You found it? Go tell them. Go tell them. Who's them? It's the people you know, the people you come in contact with, your friends, your neighbors, your fellow citizens. Everybody's walking because the ground is level at the what? Foot of the cross. It's level at the cross, and that's what he wants for every one of us. You know, there was an artist who painted a picture, and when he painted this picture, he came along with the picture, and it was a, a guy whose boat had obviously, little boat had crashed and splintered up. It was no good to him. He was out at sea, and he was near the rocks. And so he shows him with both hands clinging to the rock, just like the rock has saved him. And his, his intent was to say, the rock is God. The rock is Christ. But what ended up happening was, he wasn't satisfied with that picture. And he came back to that picture, and with one hand, he has this guy holding the rock. And then with the other hand, he reaches out to help others. Now, you've heard that story, no doubt. But let me just say this to you. That's what we're doing. We're seeking to reach out. Over the next few weeks and months, you're going to hear a little bit more about our effort to help people who have moved into the United States from other cultures. We're going to help some of them and hopefully help them to Jesus. 
And then you'll also hear a little bit more about us helping out some of the disenfranchised kids, children, 14,000 children in the foster system in Pennsylvania. And many, many people among us decry the idea of abortion, but we've got to have positive solutions, not just negative fingers of shame, not condescending voices. How bad? We need to have answers. We don't want to just cite the problem. We want to shine the light. And the light gives hope. Can I get a witness in the house? The light gives hope. Can I get a witness in the house? That's what we're about as followers of Jesus Christ. I was over in Lansford just the other day. Church after church is closed. I spent time this week over in Hazleton. Number of the churches are closed. Twelfth least reached with the gospel, Hazleton, Pennsylvania, 50 minutes from here. And we've got an overabundance of it among us. What happens if we take the light into some of the other communities around us? Please pray that God will help us to bridge the gaps, to go into the cultures that are yet to be reached, really, and take the gospel message of hope to them. Lord, thank you for letting us be together today. Help us to never hide this beautiful gospel under a bushel. But may we forever share the good news with humility and with certainty that you are the answer. Now more than ever in our world, Lord, may we have no uncertain call, but may we have a clear call while we are free to call. May we share the good news of Jesus Christ because you can transform every heart that will call on you. In Christ's name, amen.